Are we recording? <laughs> oh yeah! It's like <laughs> a year from now. <laughs> Macho. Oh man, that's Vincy. I like that my kids know that I'm healthy and strong and fit, and that their mom is healthy and strong and fit. Going, okay, I can still get better without having to do a max effort every single day. Smashing yourself on the roller for uh, an hour, right? you're good by the next day, as long as you had a sandwich and a net. So today's episode, we're going to dis- begin discussing um, something called the Psychobiological Model of Endurance Performance. The model was developed by uh, Samuel Marcora and some of his uh, colleagues, uh, I believe, first started in Kent State University in England. Um, so today, we're not really going to get too much into it. Uh, we'll just briefly say how the model centers around psychological constructs um, of perception of effort and motivation and prediction of uh, endurance performance. But we're not really going to get too far on that today. We're going to leave that for the next few episodes. Um, the next episode we'll talk about uh, exclusively perception of effort. Uh, and the episode after that we'll talk about motivation. The episode after that we'll start talking about the actual model, how it works together. And then likely the next episode after that we'll uh, be discussing limitations related to uh, his model. Uh, from our opinion, and just some other odds and ends. I'm sure we'll have some other ideas by the time we get there. But like I said, today we're just going to go through introduction, but mainly uh, in terms of how we came across it. Um, And we were talking about before this, like uh, there's lots of times where uh, you will come into contact with ideas and uh, knowledge, and you might learn about it, and it just leaves you. Uh, But for us, and for me in particular as well, um, like th- this information and this knowledge uh, never left. So once I started learning about it uh, four or five years, four years ago, um, yeah, it just stuck with me a lot uh, because I thought it was very profound um, and very elegant as well as to, uh, as, as to how it was presented. So hopefully we can do it justice in the next few uh, episodes. So for me to start with, uh, I believe it was in probably middle of, 2017 around there maybe when maybe a bit before that but maybe around there uh, I believe it was someone uh, I came across a book called How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald and I thought it was a really great book uh, if anyone hasn't read it it is it's a really easy read and it's really enjoyable and even the audiobook version is great um, and then I just liked the author I thought it was pretty cool and uh, I did some research on him and he had another book uh, called Iron War uh, which which tracked um, uh, t- I guess t- two yeah I would say two of the most famous uh, Ironman athletes Dave Scott and Mark Allen uh, back in 1989 I think anyway but the book was fantastic but there's a large section in that book uh, that covered about, that talked about this guy named uh, Samuel Marcora there was a little bit of it in How Bad Do You Want It but there's a really large section of it in um, in Iron War and the name came up again so I was like huh this is this is interesting. Like I'm gonna, I gotta investigate this a bit more. So I just go through YouTube and listen to some of his clips and listen to a bunch of podcasts that he had been on. Uh, and it just, it, 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 yeah. I guess the just hearing him discuss it sounded, it, it just started making a lot of sense in my head. Um, and in in terms of the examples he was giving. Uh, and then another book came out like. I guess I think it was 2018 when Endure came out, and then I uh, had that one, which is that's a fantastic book as well. Endure, um, 
yeah, and I think just from then on, uh, all of us here have just been kind of discussing those ideas periodically, but they've definitely been a mainstay in what we've been talking about. So, yeah, that's what uh, that's that's pretty much my beginning with this. And Scotty, yeah, mine would have been an introduction from yourself. And sorry, <coughs> sorry, just to add, beside, <laughs> sorry, I got to add this. So to tell me where it came from, and then also why it's why you why it stuck with you, why you didn't just go like, eh, this is no good. Or this is just some other crap Mike's talking about. <laughs> yeah, so you introduced us to the concept back in, I guess it would have been 2017. I think it was, yeah. And then we just had a few discussions about it. And off we all found it was quite interesting. And I think we can all agree on that. And then it was when, and I think like we had read a couple of articles that Mercora and his colleagues had had published just to kind of learn more about it and kind of strengthen our, our grasp on the concept. And then it was, you were having a discussion with one of my clients at one time who was a former athlete and when she was in here training and I was just kind of taking that in as a bystander, just listening to the conversation. And she didn't agree with a lot of the things you were saying initially, but as you continued to talk about it, she started to come around and I just thought, Oh, this is really interesting that like, just the more you talked about it, the more sense it made. And even to people who never really thought about the concept before and people who come from like a competitive athletic background. So I'm like, this is really cool. And then I read Endure, um, Alex Hutchison, right? Yep. Um, and he goes back and forth talking about Tim Noakes and, and Samuel Makora mm-hmm. and the differences in their theories, the cent- yep. central governor theory and psychobiological model. And I just thought it was really interesting. <clears throat> and the psychobiological model just seemed to make more sense in just when I, when I think about it, I think about it in the context of like my athletes that I coach, you know what I mean? And some athletes, I'm just like, yep, it makes a lot of sense just in terms of like why this person tries harder than this person, you know? And it may be like their, their motivation. When you talk about motivation, I'm like, oh yeah, that person's motivation is, is seems to be much higher than this person's just given where they're at in their, in their CrossFit career, call it. Mm-hmm. And so this person's willing to put out more effort than than the next person and then i just started you know kind of thinking about it and us reading about it more and then we just we started talking about it in quite a bit of detail because we wanted it to be part of a one of the fitness camps that we did i think 2018 um and so then we really kind of did a deep dive into it and kind of like picked it apart and and talked about you know where it applies what limitations are stuff like that and uh yeah it's just i think it's something that applies really well to the sport of fitness um when you when you talk about motivation and what makes someone um, perform well or, or underperform. Yeah, and just to add to Scott's thing here, I actually pulled up the notes we had from uh, that first athlete camp where we discussed it. And it's actually, let me just look at it really quickly. It's just, it's interesting to look at um, the way we organized it. Uh, and the, I was honestly, when I look at it, I, I just think of how I think of the, um, uh, I get to just, just the, sh- um, it's just in its infancy. That's all I'm looking at. When I look at the way we organized it and the way I thought about it, it's just in its infancy. That's it. Like the idea and my understanding of it was just basic. Even the notes I was writing and um, and how we explained it in the course, I was just like, it's just basic compared to uh, how much I feel like I have, how much more understanding I or appreciation I have for it. So the two things about you though, which the one thing that brought uh, uh, reminded me so two things one first the the absolute um 
connectedness of motivation and effort, mm-hmm. which he puts on full display and being like, yes, that is 100% correct. Uh, and you can't disconnect these two things ever. And that's the whole point of it. Like these two things are intimately connected to performance and they can't be untangled because one works back and forth with the other. The second thing was I always thought about when you when you read about theories of fatigue and theories of endurance performance whatnot like (laughs) how does it apply to people that don't try that hard like then why are they slowing down why are they stopping why are they disengaging from the task right like explain these people like explain people that are low motivation people why are they slowing down right like what is it is it as simple as saying like you know their central governor, you know, is is doing peripheral restriction and reducing motor unit activation of the quadriceps. No, that's I can almost guarantee you that ain't it. It's just that this person is not interested in trying hard. And no, you might just you might you could easily say like you know, you have to have uh, you have to have a theory of performance for people that are unmotivated versus a theory of performance for people that are motivated. Uh, but I think that that's a bit. I think that's a bit unnecessary because uh, I think if you truly appreciate the concept, you don't need that because this thing can explain a lot of stuff um, with just some adjustments at the end. Um, and that but one of the big things was that to, the, the, the ability to explain the performance of people at high levels and extremely low levels. That's what I was like. This, is, this, this makes a lot of sense to me as opposed to having to be super high tech to explain the active the active. The activity of people you see in every group class going man why did they pick it up right here i don't know because you yelled at them <laughs> they went faster there was no physiology behind that they were just got a little little jolt of like uh, motivation to try harder that's it <laughs> like it, it's not really complicated actually um yeah so but if, if you're only trying to explain these things in physiologic terms you just you come up short and you come up short all the time Is this thing on? <laughs> yeah, hello. The, uh, I think the exposure to the ideas um, was the same as, as uh, Scott, where you were like, hey, read this. Okay. Read that. Okay. Um, but I think the first time I started struggling with the ideas was like as an athlete, when you start to feel the difference between when I want to go fast and I can't, and when I'm in a competition and it's so easy to go fast and I'm doing stuff and PRing things and doing max set of chest of our pull-ups that I couldn't do in a training session that I'm just doing because it's part of the competition. So understanding that, that when you, when I read the, um, the, the books on this stuff, it just kind of mapped very, very well to the experiences that I had as an athlete. And it, it explains things out to be quite, um, I mean, it, it's this because of that. And it's like, yes, that's exactly how I felt during that period. And it's like, why can't I do X, even though I haven't expended any physical energy after a long day of work? Why am I dragging ass in the gym? It's like, well, because you're mentally fatigued. And that has a bigger impact on your performance than potentially physical fatigue in the scenario of just training. So there's all sorts of different things that I read about in those books that were like, that makes so much sense. And it's stuck because once you see it, and once you've experienced it and you see it in everybody else's, um, how they manifest their training and their 
their fitness when they're in a competition. It's like it just it shows up everywhere all of the time, no matter what someone's doing, no matter what stage of their fitness journey they're in. It's like if they really want to work hard, they're going to work hard. If they don't want to work hard, they won't, no matter how fit they are. And kind of this year, 2020, was a pretty crazy example of someone going in at like mid-March, peak of their fitness, and then a week into the lockdown, even though they're accustomed to training at home, their output on the same style of training was very low. And the effort that they had to put in to get the same style of, of results was very high. And like, what changed? What changed? They didn't become less fit, but how they expressed their fitness in a very different psychological scenario in a different environment was dramatically different. So that kind of like nailed it, final nail in the coffin for how good this is to predict people's behavior. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. And it, again, I, I love listening to you guys talk about it because it just reminds me of little points. With, um, and there's another point. When it just just reading reading studies about mental fatigue, which we'll go through in the next episode, and about how, again, you have these these same people doing crossover design studies, so the same participant weeks later or and vice versa, doing the same task and doing better or worse on the task, but having the identical, okay, the identical output of heart rate, VO2, uh, EMG readings, identical, but they're having noticeably different performances. That's where you start going like, this is really, really interesting. Um, and that's the, which is the important part of what's Mark Horace. He runs these, like they do these studies and his colleagues do these studies. And he's like, this is what my model is going to predict. Let's go and see what happens. And we'll have, you know, have other people run it, whatever. Like, oh, look, this is what happens. Pretty interesting. And you can dive really deep into it to try to really explain it. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of neurophysiology to it. But on suffice to say, like when you have identical physiological outputs between group one and group two, and there's a big difference between group one and group two that becomes challenging to explain and when you're just talking about even just power duration. It becomes challenging to explain why that happened. For me, I found the topic first uh, with how bad do you want it as well. I think that Michael had put up like an Instagram post or story about the book and I thought it was pretty interesting so I would give it a read. Uh, at the time I was only doing a CrossFit class as far as coaching goes so I was really new in my coaching journey so it more so related to me as being an athlete um, that book actually kind of messed me up for a while because I was questioning everything about whether I was trying hard enough in training and sometimes I was like pushing myself so hard that my wheels would fall off <laughs> because uh, I wanted to make sure that I was giving the best effort possible and I remember telling you about that and that's when you had recommended reading indoor and and in indoor is where they bring Sam Arcora more so into the conversation as far as his model around the psychobiological um, and the reason that it sticks with me um, is for a couple reasons but I think that the biggest thing is that we can get really nuanced with very particular measurements around the body, whether it be obsessed about heart rate and heart rate training, whether it be about lactic system, whether it be about VO2 max and testing for that. And it, I'm not saying that these things don't matter. I'm not saying cardiac output doesn't matter. I'm not saying that respiratory function doesn't matter. But 
when you look at it, it's too much to try and focus on. And I think that when you look at the biologic model, it kind of takes everything into consideration and looks at the body on a continuum rather than focusing on one particular aspect. Um, I don't know if that really makes sense, but that is to me why this makes sense. And then just when you start to train people individually and stuff like that, you start to see differences in how people progress. And sometimes that is just them as a person, maybe they're genetically predispositioned to adapt better. But um, in other instances, you just see people um, that just try harder and they will do a workout and you can see them pushing to their limits near the end of it, where other people look like they just had a casual stroll in the park and they're just breathing a little bit heavy. And yeah, so that's why it sticks with me. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it's just, I just love that stuff about how like, <laughs> like when you're highly motivated, it changes your experience of effort. And anybody that competes knows that. Like it, 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 cha- not even, it, cha- it doesn't change your experience, it changes your relationship with effort and your and, and how willing you are to deal with it because it's a totally different thing when you're when you're basically high on motivation effort feels different mm-hmm. even though you know you're pushing almost close you can or whatever it just feels different you're like i'm o- i'm okay with this like i'm okay with this effort i'm okay with staying on task versus i know if i if it was just back at the gym i'd be much much uh <laughs> much less reluctant to keep doing this Right, I'm like, oh, sorry, much more reluctant. I just, I just wouldn't, wouldn't want to do it, right? Yeah. I don't really know how to like make this flow from that, but Doesn't like matter. just what you said and like thinking about what Jason was saying about uh, being like competing or on the floor. Yeah. You think of your training times versus what it actually comes down to when you're yeah. out there and being so much faster. You felt like you tried really hard in training, but you obviously didn't try your hardest because there wasn't somebody pushing you. And I try to think of that sometimes when I do things. Um, Even if like it's just sets of something or it's something for time, I actually try to think to myself, uh, Matt Brady's gonna like to hear this, but I actually think like, what if someone was close to me? Like what if Matt Brady was right there trying to push me? Did I try hard enough by myself and a lot of times you, you can be honest and say like, no, I definitely could have probably went a little bit harder. And that happens a majority of the time. Mm-hmm. But I also think that training isn't always about going to that limit. It's trying to get as close as you can without really pushing over. Yeah. A couple things there, right? One of the things is that um, like high, high, high motivation is super important for performance, but high motivation can be maladaptive as well. Right. So these aren't just like, it's just, it's not a free lunch. You can't just be maximally motivated and do great. You can be maximally motivated and mangle yourself uh, because there are physical realities to overdoing it, right? But that's another thing where RPE is just a really good is a really good uh, estimate of how your whole body's doing in general, right? It's all encompassing, um, and that's one of the things I really like about it, right? I really like talking to athletes in in these terms uh, and teaching them, or not even not really even teaching them about it, but just talking it to them about it because. They, it resonates with them so much and they understand it uh, instead of where I would before like five six seven years ago try to teach them about how things work physiologically it's not helpful it really isn't helpful when you're in a competition setting that's 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 garbage uh, and the other part of it is is you're never assessing it 
you're never actually assessing that stuff. But people understand effort and they understand motivation because they understand themselves. They know what it feels like and they know what it feels like to be them when they're competing. And you want them to understand those things and understand them really well because it's with them all the time, right? So you, they, have, they have an understanding of performance and endurance that they can carry with them and actually applies every second that they're competing as opposed to them thinking about some stupid auction saturation number potentially if I taught, if I taught them about that, which would be a really bad idea. But if I had them thinking like, oh my God, my legs are occluding right now, why is that helpful? Like that's not helpful at all. I'm not saying people do that, but I'm just saying why would it be important for me to teach people about those ideas being like, it's not really even applicable when you're competing. It's too late. But this thing isn't, it is always applicable and it's important to know. You can always try to summon more effort and it always comes down to you wanting to do it. In some instances, I think that some people hope it's physiological in nature because then it's like I can adapt by doing X, Y, Z to change it. And uh, they hope for that excuse in some instances, but yeah a common thing with that is to go like you know there are limits right um and they're like well there's no reason you're not going to slow down i'm like yeah but the how fast you slow down who's who, who decides that right like why did you stop after you could have kept going you could have just went a bit slower but you decided to stop you didn't need to stop you wanted to stop why did you stop <laughs> like you didn't need to we understand how like if you're doing some type of like short test we know you can keep going you didn't utilize the w prime in that time you you are able to work at critical power you can keep going but you don't want to so it's better for you to just get off the bike so i'm like i understand that there are limits to your physical capacity because we just covered it for like the last five episodes we understand that but you're not near them okay that's the whole point you're not approaching them and the people that are like the average Joe clients are nowhere near their capabilities. And you can't explain that with power duration stuff. You can't. You can't explain what they're doing, why they're doing it. I mean, like it, it works when you talk about high effort training over multiple iterations too. Like we talk about that all the time. It's like you can burn out because if you're going in and like, I got to beat Matt Brady every single day, eventually you just start slowing down. And it's not because you can't keep going fast is because you just don't want to yeah. and like all of these things that i guess we're going to talk about them like it just shows up over and over and over and any any experience you have with training or competing any other comments yeah i just think back to the like the, the comment that you made initially and that jason just touched on like if you're you're going at that effort like matt brady's right beside me in training all the time and you, there's going to be physical ramifications from that. But because of those physical ramifications, your motivation on top of that is going to dwindle too, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm sore. I can't go as hard. It's, oh, I'm sore. I don't want to go anymore, right? Like to what Jason was saying, like you just, you won't allow yourself to go there mentally, but it's almost perpetuated by how bad you mangled yourself because you were trying so hard for so long, right? And as we'll get into, right, the problem with that is, right, if you if you start artificially increasing your RPE at the start point of each session, that's okay. But then you have to artificially increase your motivation to then withstand the effort necessary for that, that session to be successful each time. And after a point, that motivation tops out, right? There's a ceiling mm -hmm. to it because you've created a big problem. And now you're just constantly having to work as hard as possible every session to do nothing. And what And what happens then? you have to take a break and you have to stop. So that's what I mean by being maladaptive. Mm -hmm.
the last thing I'll uh, I'll cover here. The, one of the last things that really made me like it a lot uh, was when we were talking to Marcora, and I told him what I wanted to talk about. And this is super rare because I've talked to people like this before. Uh, I told him what we did. And he didn't laugh at us. Like he didn't say we were dummies because we do CrossFit. What he did is he went and watched the 2015 CrossFit Games. That's what he did. He went and watched uh, the Murph event from the 2015 CrossFit Games to try to learn about what we were talking about so he could have a, a discussion with us. And I thought that was really cool because then we were actually talking about how things worked. And he was like, this is pretty interesting. And I, that, that he was like, it was important that I watched this. I thought that was pretty cool. And personally I, personally, I thought that was pretty cool that he went and actually decided to learn about it instead of just coming on and talking about what he knows. Right? He tried to apply his research and what he was doing and understanding to people when we were explaining the sport to him and how it works. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked the episode and know someone else that will, please share it with them as it helps to grow our reach. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a review wherever you listen. For questions about topics covered on the show or topics we haven't covered yet, send those questions to spiraloutpodcast at gmail.com. We do read the emails and have some topics that were submitted by listeners and we plan to cover them in the near future. You can follow at optimum underscore performance underscore training on Instagram to find out when new episodes are available. And last but not least, if you guys are in Calgary, come by and check out the gym. We offer individual design as well as personal training for those close by. If you live far, head over to optimumperformancecalgary.com to get information on remote coaching and athlete camps. Catch you guys in two weeks.